Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for uh, sweet, sweet times with the family of God, where you as head of this church and our father and our friend and our rescuer, you're right here amongst us. Lord, we can't get away from you. Not even if we wanted to, we cannot hide from your love and your kindness and your care and your patience towards us. All we can say, God, is thank you. And so, Lord, we can't wait to open up the Bible. We can't, hate, we can't wait to hear from our Father. And so, Father, we pray right now that you would just crack open our chests and you would give us revelation. You would teach us and train us and, and encourage us and discipline us and love us as a father does to his children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Grab a seat, everybody. It's great to be together. Welcome, everybody. Thank you, worship team. Um, welcome to uh, a brand new series, Setting the Pace. If you're here for the first time, uh, you couldn't have picked a better time because uh, this is going to be week number one. I think this is a four or five week series, and it's actually a subject matter that we've actually dealt with in the past. Uh, in fact, this is our third time coming back around to a very specific, uh, I think, piece of God's Word uh, that we just feel the Holy Spirit saying, no, got to go there again, got to go there again. Um, I grew up playing football, and by football, I mean real football, Yeah. It doesn't make sense for American football to call it American football because one guy kicks it every now and again. It's really hands, you know? Okay, never mind. I love the game. I do love the game. I, I grew up playing it as a kid, as a teenager, and I played right up until my early 30s, and then we started having a bunch of children, and I went to seminary, and football for me went out the door. I just couldn't do it anymore until quite recently. About a year and a half, two years ago, one of my kids now plays in one of the local leagues here. And at the end of the whole season, there was the prestigious um, parent-children game. And I said to myself as I was driving there, Alan, relax, relax. It's not about you. It's about the children. It's for your son. You're not 20 anymore. You're not 30. You're well into your 40s now. I'm probably not the picture of perfection anymore that I used to be in terms of fitness. I'll be wheezing up and down the wheel. You can't be running back and forth like you used to. I used to be able to run and run and run all day long. Relax. Pass the ball. It's all about the kids. And then I got out there in the field. <laughs> and I smelled the grass. And it was like, I'm back. <laughs> I have returned to these glory days in my life. And so, and then it got worse because then I saw the ball and I just lost my mind, okay? I was like a dog chasing a car. I'm not even joking you. I couldn't help myself. And then I was so pleased with myself because these are like 10-year-old boys and I'm like, yes, I can dance around. I actually broke my foot. If you see me hobbling, because I broke my foot playing soccer three weeks ago. So I'm it's doing fine, but I'm hobbling a little bit. But I was able to dance around these kids and I like this 10-year-old who would come up to me and like, come on, I can just like run past the kid. I'm like, pew, down the sideline. Goals were scored, moments happened, and it was glorious. <laughs> the next day, my alarm went off, and my brain said, okay, buddy, hop out of bed, jump in the shower, let's get on with the day. And all of a sudden, I moved out. My body, the word is, it's lactic acid is what it said. It's in all your muscles. And I was like, Oh, dear Lord, I can't, I can't move my body. It was awful. I mean, it was just absolutely trauma for me. But at the end of the whole thing, I realized, okay, there was a price to pay with all of that. Welcome to this brand new series, Setting the Pace, Learning the Lessons the Hard Way. 
This is the perfect time to be here as we launch here. And really, this is simply about this, this one idea. We overextend ourselves to the point of pain. And that's what I did. In my little humorous story, albeit real, I overextended myself to the point of pain. But here's the difference. Two, three days later, I was fine, right? My body bounced back, and I, was, I could function once again. I was, I was okay. But I guarantee you, there are those amongst us today, and I, I'm telling you right now, it is the vast majority of us. And you are overextending yourself to such an extent that you are in a constant state of stress and pain in your life. It's actually worse than we think, and it's taking a major, major toll. I mentioned that we've actually touched on this subject matter in the past, and so I want to perhaps reiterate something, but then I realized we have new people coming to this church every single week, and so for some of you, this may be the first time for you to hear this. But I want to give you just a tiny bit of backstory, and then we're going to do some assessment in our own lives as to where we are at. This church leadership, a short number of years ago, spent nine months, and we were praying and we were fasting, and we had several hundred hours of meeting collectively meetings with the staff and meetings with the elders for the most part, where we're praying and fasting and seeking the Lord's face. And we had a single question, God, how can we serve you best? I mean, that was really the guts of it. You've got this unique gang of people with all of our quirks and all of our stuff, and here you have us here at this time, at this place. How can we serve the kingdom of God to the best way possible that we can? How can we love you the most at this time uh, right now and right here. And so I want to share with you some thoughts because we really believe that we heard from the Father. It's a good thing to hear from our Father, isn't it? It should be a normal thing that we are hearing from our Father and a normal thing in particular for the leadership of a local church to be able to say, the Father is speaking to us and we want to respond to what he's saying. And so let me share one or two of these pieces that we really believe we heard from God. One is, and I've mentioned this before in years gone by, uh, is a fictional couple that we have fondly referred to as Fred and Wilma. Fred and Wilma, you're here today. They're the Flintstones. Uh, and we love Fred and Wilma. We do. And we love the fact that Fred and Wilma walk through these doors every single Sunday. And uh, we love to care for them and to come alongside them and to invi invite Fred and Wilma to be part of everything that's going along in this little church family and to know them and that they would know this church body as well. And there's, here's the truth, there's actually a piece of Fred and Wilma in almost every single one of you. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm actually going to describe Fred and Wilma. And what I want you to do is two assessments. I want you, as I kind of paint a little picture, I want you to kind of tick the box in your mind mentally to say, yep, that's me, yep, that's describing my little group here, or my friends, or my reality, and I want you to kind of do a practical assessment of where you kind of find a similarity between your reality and the reality of Fred and Wilma. The second assessment will come after that, and that is knowing the practical reality of Fred and Wilma's life, I want you to address and assess the spiritual ramifications of that in your life. Sound good? We actually have a wonderful couple. They're actually sitting here today. I know where they're sitting, but I won't point them out. And when I described this, they said, man, that's us. So much so that they went and bought a picture of Fred and Wilma Flintstone and stuck it up in their house. <laughs> so let me describe to you Fred and Wilma. Fred and Wilma are not married, twice married, remarried, unmarried, divorced, but getting married. And as a result of that, they have just a slightly more complex reality. We'll have blended families here, and there's lots of blended families, but sometimes the complexities can be, it just adds 
a little bit of challenge in that sometimes one kid is living in this location for a week or a certain number of days, and then they're in this uh, location. And that's just a reality for many, many families here. Both mom and dad are working outside of the home. That's for the most part. Both incomes are essential just to make the basics happen. The kids are involved in lots of wonderful and fun activities, extra activities beyond school. And so there's sports and travel teams, and there's uh, music and theater and clubs and away games and practice and rehearsals. And the reality of that is it means that there are just several nights of the week where the family's going in sometimes multiple directions or different ways, trying to bring kids to certain things that they enjoy and that they like. As a result of that, dinner time is not so much sitting around a table where everybody comes together and we turn off the screens and the TVs and all that stuff and we just talk and share a meal. Dinner is usually pretty much on the run and it's probably not the healthiest thing in the world. It's generally found through a drive through and it's a cardboard box with food in there that has a lot of sugar and a lot of salt in it. And it tastes really great, but collectively we realize that this is probably not a good way to be eating. And as a result of that, and probably several other variables as well, health probably isn't the best. And so there's a bit of weight, people are overweight, and this just the, you'd hear this very frequently, and I'm just kind of tired all the time. I'm just tired, and I, can, I never seem to get enough sleep. Are we beginning to sound familiar for anybody? Yeah, I feel a little bit alone in that, but I'm going to keep going. Okay. There's never enough money. Never. There is never, ever, ever enough money. And so it's just this great, grandiose attempt to try to pay the bills all the time. And it seems like every month you pay the bills, but there's like, man, didn't see that one coming. There's always just this surprise thing that gets, catches you every single month. And the truth is, Fred and Wilma really don't know where the money goes. And in fact, they're very much aware that there's substantial debt, and it's not healthy debt or manageable debt. It's just unnecessary debt, and debt that is eating away at their peace and, and kind of bringing about stress in their lives. And so they actually couldn't tell you where the money's going. And in fact, when Fred and Wilma begin to talk about money, they really can't have a conversation about money. It's always a fight about money, and it's contentious, and it's an argument, and it's a problem about money almost every single time. And so they've come to the point where they just don't want to talk about it anymore. It's become this Mount Everest of debt, ever-increasing, ever-accumulating debt. And so they actually don't even want to look at it because they know when they look at it, it's just going to be this grandiose thing that just seems insurmountable to all of them. Dad is addicted to pornography. Dad doesn't have a lot of friends and doesn't really care to have a lot of friends. It's not important to him. He's just waiting for football to start. And by football, I mean American football. <laughs> American. There's no A in that word. It's American. And when he does, he's happy and he's content to just sit there and, and watch the football. Mom, she longs for a better marriage. Truth be told, it's not in great shape. It's just kind of patched up and getting by. She longs for more connections in her life. She's lonely, and she struggles with depression. Fred and Wilma are utterly distracted. They are lost in choice overload, information overload, decision overload, hurry, noise, 
frantic activity, screens, entertainment, addiction, and it's this bombardment of just, man, you have to buy me and eat me and get me and accumulate me and wear me and have me and, and all of that. And somehow they have fallen for that. Somehow they're lost in a sense of maybe this is the American dream. Happiness would be the bigger house or the nicer vacation or the sleeker body or the new car or the new $800 phone. And they have taken that bait, hook, line, and sinker. They are chasing these things. They don't even know it but they think that's happiness. And here's the phrase, well, if we can just get past this, then we'll be fine and we can settle down a bit. But it never gets just past this because then there's the next insurmountable occupation or stress or activity or initiative that needs to take place. They are running on a treadmill and there is no destination in sight whatsoever. Somehow, Fred and Wilma know, this isn't the way to live my life, but they don't know what to do. So you know what they do? They run faster. Maybe if I run faster, that will help things. And that is the way we live our lives. And here's the crazy part. We think it's normal. Because everyone's doing that. And I am convinced that that is you. That somewhere in that picture, practically speaking, you have found yourself ready. You've mentally checked little boxes and said, yep, that describes us, that describes me, that describes our schedule, that describes our finances, that describes the reality of our lives. There are few who would argue that the pace of life is simply insane. And Jesus Christ comes on the scene and he says, there's another way to live your life. There is another way. And so we actually believe that we've heard from God about this. We believe that this is reality that I've just described is embedded in our everyday, so much so, and here's where we go from the practical to the spiritual, that it has actually touched and affected the kingdom of God in your life. This is the mission statement for our local church. Mount Pleasant Community Church exists to lead people into a focused life with Jesus Christ. And the truth is, we're living distracted lives. And Jesus says there's another way. There is actually a life that is possible that is filled with rest and joy and laughter and balance and margin and quiet and the capacity for simplicity and contentment. Now here's the spiritual ramifications. Here's why, as if what I've just described isn't painful enough to describe, here's why it's actually even worse. And I want you to assess yourself in this. If you are running and living your life at that pace, with that amount of noise and hurry and frantic activity and chasing and accumulating, if that actually describes you, how does that person hear from God? How do you do that? We took nine months out to pray and to fast and to get down on our knees and to seek his face. But how do you do that if it's just clutter and noise and distraction and hurried and choice overload? How do you even enjoy God? I mean, he loves us, right? How do we just get to enjoy being with our Father? How do you live for God when the truth is you may believe in him or even love God, but you're so hurried and you're so distracted and you're so stretched that God has been inched out of your life because your life is now so crammed and overextended. Do you know what the word for that is? According to the Bible, anything that nudges God and inches him to the side, the word for that is actually idolatry. Oh, that's a scary word. 
And God says, nothing before me. Nothing. If you would, could I ask you to grab a pen right now? There are pens in the seat backs right in front of you. I want to ask everyone, if you're in the front row, you can just grab a seat from behind you. And then I want to ask you to grab the little paper plate that is also in the seat. The front row, there's a bunch of them simply sitting on the seats. I'm going to show off with my wonderful art once again. Oh, man, that's good, isn't it? I don't mean to brag, but that's pretty good right there. Okay, so have you, uh, this is more of a circus thing or a carnival thing. You, have you ever seen that show where the guy's got the long pole and he gets a plate and he spins the plate on the pole and then he wobbles the pole like this and, he's got, and then he gets another one and he spins that one, he gets another one and then he can get a whole bunch of these going, get you know 10 or 12 of these things in a row. And of course the kids love it because what happens is the first one begins to wobble because it's running out of momentum and he runs back and he spins this one and that's the fun little thing. And from that we've gained the little phrase when you ever say to a person, man, I'm, I've just got so much on my plate, or I'm spinning too many plates. That's not where this little phrase come from, this little entertainment thing. And so I want you to have this plate and keep this plate and actually bring it home. We're going to do an exercise right now, and, and really the hope for this series is that it's unbelievably pragmatic for you, and this is something that I hope is really practical. I want you to take this home. I want you to, this evening, if you don't finish it right now, which is unlikely because I'm going to scoot through this for, at a decent clip. I just realized the uh, irony of that. Um, some of you will get that on the way home. Um, uh, I'm going to move through this at a decent clip. And so finish this at home, maybe with your friends or with your spouse, or particularly all our groups have just launched right now, community groups. Bring these plates and have a good conversation with each other. So what we're going to do is just have a quick assessment of the reality of our lives. So here's the first one I'm going to put down. Write this down if you would. Home. And then underneath, I, these are just things that come to my mind as I think about my home. I know I need to cut the grass. It was like tropical forest the other day. I need to fix the shower. I know there's some painting I need to do. And uh, I know I gotta change the oil in the car. And then there's the dishwasher. I mean, this is just the normal stuff that we all understand. And for you, that's gonna look a little bit different for me, but I want you to make this uniquely yours, okay? Right over here, I'm gonna put the word family. Now, I've got three kiddos, but I'm gonna make this more generic. So I'm just gonna say my first one is Shadrach. Okay, and then Meshach, and the last one is Yoda. Okay, <laughs> so here's how it works in my family. Uh, I've got one kid, and he's just all about Lego robotics. He goes to this thing, it's two nights of the week, and they have a great time. I've got another kid, he's just mad for soccer, or really, as it should be stated, football. And so that's uh, one practice, and then he's also got a game. And then I've actually got another girl, and she's also doing the same thing. And that's the same thing. So that's another practice and it's another game. So for me, just as I look at that, I'm like, I realize on certain days of the week, actually Kelly and I, we divide and conquer and she goes this way and I go that way. And then there's the pickup time. And then there's several nights of the week where that's going on. So I'm really preaching to myself on this one. Okay, then I want you to put job right here. And I want you to think of your job. And so I'm just going to put some generic things for some people here. So some people, man, you're just trying to make your numbers. There's a quota. For some of you, it's like there, there's meetings. For some of you, there's travel. Pardon my terrible handwriting. Um, and that's your job. And then for most of you, then you probably, you might have your spouse. And so that might be an, another job. So I'm just going to put kind of job two right there. And then there might be some other pieces in there. Is that making sense? 
Okay, and then for some people, you know, they're like, well, I've actually got some hobbies. I like, you know, I've got a boat, or, you know, I like to go to the gym. I go to the gym. I don't like to go to the gym, but I go to the gym. I like to go catch a movie with my wife, or I like to play disc golf. Um, um, you know, whatever that looks like for you, just kind of fill that in there, okay? Now, this one, next one's a huge one, and that is money. Absolutely massive. This is a major stressor in our lives. And so, you know, there's the car, and there's the mortgage, and then there's, you know, there's the retirement, and then there's the groceries, and then there's the uh, phone, and then there's the internet, and then there's the heat, and we all know that there's actually quite a bit more to that one, right? That one just keeps going and going and going right there. So there's fine. And then over here, you might have some church, because look, you're here right now, aren't you? So you might just say, well, I actually do that every Sunday, and I'm committed to that, and I love that. And then you're like, well, I actually like to help out, so I go to Kid Life, and I look after the kids, and I do that every other week. And then I'm in a group, and we meet on a Wednesday at 8 o'clock at so-and-so's house, and we have a great time. Last one here for me, I'm just going to put education. I actually spelled that wrong in the last service. How funny is that? And so you're like, yeah, I'm taking credits right now, and that might be 12 credits or 15 credits, and then I know I've got a certain paper due right now, and actually I've got exams coming up, right? That is the simplest, quickest kind of snapshot of an ordinary life. You might have another six major items to put in, and then down under there, you might have subcategories. I want you to keep this, and I want you to look at this. I want you to have a conversation with friends or spouse or kids, or you know, maybe your kids are growing up or out of the house. I want you to actually go over this again. I want you to begin to pray about this and look at it, and now we're going to ask some really practical questions. It's like, man, do I need to be doing what, why, and where are the priorities in my life? And then in particular with, um, with your community groups as well. Now, here's what I want to compare this to. I want to compare this to the plate that Jesus had. I want to think about, and I'm simply just calling this the Jesus pace. I want you to think about Jesus Christ, his radical ministry, because everybody wanted a slice of Jesus. Everybody wanted to touch him and hear from him or be healed by him or be taught by him. And he starts his ministry and its conflict and its threats, and eventually it's his execution. So our plate's not so bad, right? How did Jesus manage all of those things? Two examples of the Jesus pace. Number one, it is the pace of relationship. And then the second thing is the pace of peace. Number one, the pace of relationship. Let's picture Jesus' typical day at the office, calling his disciples going out of his way to be with sinners, people that no one else would be with, handling accusations, traps from Pharisees and Sadducees, people who wanted to play politics and crowd control with him, desperate, desperate people by the thousands who needed healing and hope. Heal my daughter. Heal my blindness. Heal my sickness. Someone's going to die. You have to do this. You have to do this. It's emotional. It's draining. Healing and teaching and preaching, answering questions, probably until his voice was hoarse. He's working hard. He's traveling places. He's bringing people with him. He's dealing with people's problems all of the time. He's bringing the, the kingdom of God. There's, there's people coming against him all of the time. And it's, it, there's a pace to it. And he had to be strong and display strength and moral courage. And he's moving through his ministry. Check this out. In the word of God, Jesus says, time out. And he's the son of God. He says, that's enough. And this is the word. He withdraws. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. That's where the relationship happened. I've got to go talk to my dad. I have to. He withdrew to sort through the tragic news when he heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded. 
He just withdraws. I can't do this anymore. This is, this is more important. This is a greater priority. I need to be with my dad. He withdraws to get insight when he's going to call the disciples. He withdraws to enjoy close times of companionship with his friends. He withdraws so that he can simply pray. He withdraws to teach his disciples, and I think us today, just the, the reality of the need for rest, the value of that. Watch this. He withdraws even when projects are not complete. And we, I'm like, man, I, when I finish, once, here's the phrase, once this is over, then I'll be fine. You don't see Jesus doing that at all. He withdraws, not even necessarily because it's the Sabbath, a day of rest in this culture. He withdraws, he doesn't look for anybody to give him permission. He just senses, it's time for me to withdraw, and he does. Author by the name of Brady Boyd, he says, I don't know how to put this perfectly, but in terms of a rhythm, when I look at the ministry and life of Jesus Christ, here's my best way of trying to put it. Engage, 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 withdraw. Engage, 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 withdraw. And we see this rhythm in Jesus again and again and again. What did Jesus withdraw to? I love that moment in the evening. You sit down, you pull the lever, the legs come up. Oh, yeah. And then my children are like, Dad, will you tuck me in and pray with me and talk about Jesus? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Pastor, dad moment right there. Did Jesus withdraw to the couch? Was it Netflix? Was it Candy Crush? Was it online shopping? Was it a night on the town? Was it food? Was it drink? I say those things because that's what we withdraw to. That's what we think. I'm done. I've cashed in my chips. I'm going to do these things. But Jesus withdraws to relationship every time. His times of withdrawal and divine rest were not scraps and leftovers tossed towards his father. It was intentional, and it was close, and it was intimate, and it was honest. Moments of connection where he just wanted to be with his father. When's the last time in the stress of life and the pace and the noise and the hurry and all the responsibilities that you actually said, do you know what I want right now? I want to be with my father. Sometimes we, we can't even think like that. Such is the pace. In order for Jesus to be among the sick, to do what he needed to do, what his mission was, he had to be with the Father. I said, I can't do that without that. In order for Jesus to preach to the multitude, he said, no, I have to be with my Father. In order for you to do your life in the most normal places, in terms of family and work and colleagues and neighbors and the stuff that you have written down on your plate, I'm telling you this right now, you need to be with your Father. In order for you to be the Father, Mother, Friend, to be the employee or employer, to be the human being that God has called you to be. You need to be with your father. I am preaching this at me. I am the worst. I am, I can't, I've never seem to be able to help myself. I have a hard time slowing down. I talk fast. I walk, although not right now because I'm hobbling around. I walk places fast. I drive too fast. I, I don't, I try not to, you know, break the speed limit, but I'm like, I will get to 45 miles an hour as quickly as this car can possibly get me. And get out of my way, everybody. I'm, and I'm not even in a hurry sometimes. And I'm, I make myself into a hurry. You know those, the GPS things? And it says, you will arrive at your destination at 2.07. I'm like, 
Really? <laughs> Game on. <laughs> I can't help. I'm like, why am I doing that? I can't help myself. I am so preaching this to myself. My father, my, both my parents, Alan, slow down. If my dad were still a, 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 around, man, I, I could hear his voice. Alan, I can hear it so well. Slow down, Alan. Spend time with Jesus every day. I can hear his voice. Do you want to hear the voice of your father? He has something to say to you today. I want you to hear this invitation from your father. Are you ready? You are not perpetually indispensable to others. That's from your dad. You are not perpetually indispensable to your family or your friends or your university or your work or your co-workers or even yourself or this big bad world. You're not perpetually indispensable. And the Father invites you. I invite you to live like I lived. Work hard and then withdraw to me. This is the pace of relationship. Number two, the pace of peace. We get this one picture, this one occasion in the New Testament where Jesus, his rest was interrupted. And let me tell you, you ever, someone woken, woken you up from a little nap and you wake up and you're a bear? Man, you don't want to mess with Jesus when his rest is interrupted. What he does is crazy. There's this little portion in the New Testament where he's asleep. He's out cold. He's sawn logs on a boat. And his disciples are freaking out. And they wake him up. And he looks at them. And they are just losing the plot. And he stands up. And he sees them freaking out. Mark chapter 4. This is what it says. Awake now. He told the wind to pipe down. And he said to the sea... Quiet, settle down. This massive storm had risen up as they're on this boat on the Sea of Galilee. I've actually gone on a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and we were the first boat out that day. And it looked great, and 20 minutes later, no other boats followed us up because this storm came out of nowhere. And we were like, oh, we're freaking out. This sounds really familiar. He sees them freaking out, and he says, quiet, settle down. Now, he's not talking to the disciples He's talking to nature. The sea becomes like glass. And his disciples are in awe. All of creation is at his beck and call. The bigger picture here, and please don't miss this. The bigger picture here is one actually of the kingdom of God. It's not just about one little storm. As amazing as that is, and supernatural, and you read in the Bible, like, that's incredible. The bigger picture here, what I want you to see is that when Jesus came from heaven to earth, he came to declare peace. How many of you here today, your life, if you were trying to describe it, it's the last word you would use is peace. In fact, you would probably use the word chaos. Like, that's where I'm at right now. I am stressed out up to here. I can't even fathom thinking about looking at the finances. It's a mountain Everest. I would rather stick my head in the sand and fight with my spouse about it. We are running 90 miles an hour. We've got kids going in 17 different directions. I don't know when the last time is we actually sat down around a table or that I could actually withdraw and have a quiet time with my father and hear from him. This is the reality of where we're living. The bigger picture is that Jesus Christ said, peace 
ultimately, it's like the ultimate destination. He begins to describe it, man. There will be a time where a lion and a lamb will actually lie down together. This is the kind of peace. The time will come. It's even hard for our minds to imagine this, where peace will reign everywhere all of the time. Now, that storm that came, that wasn't an evil storm from Satan. It wasn't some supernatural thing from the pit of hell. It was a storm. It was a natural storm. Christ invites you into the natural, normal flow of your life. To a new normal where you can engage, 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 and withdraw. And Jesus saying, that's the kingdom life. Peace. I want peace for you. Two things. One, don't wake Jesus up from a nap. He will shut you down. Secondly, he's hardcore about peace. And today, in the midst of whatever natural, normal storm looks like, he speaks peace over your life, peace over your money, and your job, and your relationships, and your kids, and your marriage, and, and the divorce, and, and the pain, and the ups and downs. Jesus comes and he says, I want to speak peace over your life. Somebody needs to hear this today. Over your home, God is saying, peace over your home. Quiet. Settle down. That's what your dad is saying. I want you to be quiet. I mean, he's speaking with authority to some of you. It's so out of control. Settle down. My daughter, my son, settle down. I have peace for you. This is the kingdom of God. I'm hardcore about this. Three little statements, and then I'll wrap it up. Number one, your rest will always be opposed. And watch out for these lies. And they'll change over time. Different colors, different shades, different nuances. You should sign up for that. Jesus would do that. Jesus would help those people. Jesus would say, yes, you should be like Jesus. (laughs) Sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? No, you need to keep up at work. You need to put in more hours. You Look, compare yourself to him or her. If you don't do that extra initiative and event and that, if you don't sign up and take on those tasks and those responsibilities, they're going to seem more accomplished and you're going to get left behind. Why don't you help more people, give more money, pray more prayers, serve more things, do more things. It sounds also spiritual. And Jesus says, wait a second. Quiet. Settle down. I have peace for you. Your rest will always be opposed When you and I say no to God's form of rest, we are always saying yes to a fraudulent form of rest. Number two, you have to be ruthless about rest. One of the reasons why we're actually teaching on this a third time is because this is the kind of thing, I think, where everyone sits here and goes, yeah, you nailed it. That's right. This is the reality of what we live in. I get it. And then we all walk out the door nodding our heads in agreement but we don't change. We just go right back into the rat race the exact same way we came in the door. And you've got to be ruthless about rest in your life. Otherwise, you will have a restless mind and a restless body. The idea of sitting here and agreeing is not enough. You actually have to be ruthless in terms of we're going to live this out. And that's why I think additional conversations this evening and with your community group will be really great in terms of accountability. You have to stand your ground in order to move this from a nice idea to a real rhythm in your life. Number three, last one. 
the reward is the presence of God. My youngest little girl, Sophie, she is a blast. She's just such a ball of energy. She's the loudest human being on the planet Earth. She's just talking all the time at 110 decibels. And she is cartwheels and energy and joy and laughter and funny faces and jumping around the house and that, can I go out and play? And she gets out or in school with the kids. And of course, she's like, I'm in charge and you're the daddy and you're the mommy and we're going up here and you're doing this. And then, and she's running the world and she may be the next president. I'm not really sure. So she's, I mean, that's just her energy. And she's got hair down to her backside and she's running and laughing. And, and then what happens is, because she can be a little bit on the bossy side sometimes, is every now and again in school or even playing outside, some of the kids are like, okay, that's enough of you being the boss. And she's She's like, no, I'm the boss. And then she comes into the house, and there's the wobbly chin, and the big lip is sticking out, and there's sniffles going on, and uh, Sophie, are you okay? Are you all right? What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing is wrong. Everything's perfect. And she's obviously upset. I mean, it's like she'd be a dreadful poker player. It's all over her face. And uh, I'm like, come on over here. Everything's fine. But she wants me to know that nothing's fine. Sit down here on my lap. And I get her a glass of water. And then the hair, which is like this direction, I begin to peel it off her sweaty brow and pull it out of her hair, out of her face. What happened? She tells me the story. And we have a little chat. And she catches her breath. And she sits with her dad. That's what she needs to do. She needs to chill and be quiet. She needs to sit with her dad. You'll never do this on your own. You'll never flourish on your own. Breakneck speed, overcommitment, noise and hurry and chasing your tail. All of these things taking you away from a rhythm of being with your father. And if we see ourselves as our own, if we isolate ourselves, then we fail to bond with our father and actually withdraw properly. The reward is actually his presence. You get alone, and when you sit down with your dad, and when you're sitting on his lap, and when he makes you catch your breath, what you realize is that what you have turned into a monster, he just minimizes it into a mouse. The reward is his presence, and it's right there for the taking for every single one of us. Let me close by saying this. I think this week and over the next few coming weeks, I think it's crucial I think it's core to the heartbeat of this little local church. And my hope is that it is extremely practical, like that you could walk away and say, okay, I think I could do that. I think I could you know, tweak that or I could change that practically in my life so that it's really helpful for everybody. Next week, you are not gonna wanna miss what God has for you. There is an incredible gift in the word of God that we, is right there for the taking and we ignore it so often. And I can't wait to share that with you. But I actually believe that what we're talking about is a very bold vision for this local church. The idea that we would live the God life, that the Jesus pace would become the new pace in our lives. The idea that we're not doing what everybody else is doing. That we could say, I think I'm going to exit the rat race. I don't know that I'm going to just keep doing what everyone else is doing. Here's why. Because the stakes are so high. Why is it important? Why, why is it important? Why is the Jesus pace important? Why is living a focused life with Jesus Christ important? Here's why. Because of your sanity. Because of your physical health. So that you can really have time with people that you love. Like your kids or your grandchildren or your neighbors. People you want to actually be with. So that you can breathe. And as if that weren't enough, here's why it's so crucial for us as a local church. 
Because God has called every single one of us into the kingdom of God to be on mission. And if we miss out on that, bringing him glory in terms of the mission that God has called for us because we're too tired or too preoccupied or too exhausted and we don't even notice it. Could we be a people liberated from the cultural, I think, sort of rapid stream that is going in a direction where God would say, hang on a second. How about the challenge to follow me in the normal everyday rhythms of your life so that you can hear from me, so that you can enjoy being with your God? Let me close in prayer. Can we stand together and I'll pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us back to this core piece, I think, of mission for us as a local church. And Lord, we're sorry for being a distracted people. And I think sometimes even taking pride in that. You know, oh, I have so much to do. I don't take vacations. I, I only need X amount of sleep. I can do it. I can, I can bear the weight. I can take on the burden, Lord. We're sorry for that. It's pride. And it's not the example that you gave us. Lord, for every person here whose life could be described as chaos or perhaps shades of that today, Lord, I just declare peace over them today. Quiet, settle down. Help us to engage, engage, engage and withdraw to relationship with you. Help us, God, to be ruthless, not to simply nod our heads in agreement, but to walk out of here and say, God, how can I partner with you to actually do this in my life? We hear you when you tell us this morning to be quiet and to settle down and your kind call to peace. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would bless the preaching of your word over the course of these next few weeks. Thank you for calling us into these new rhythms. All of this for your honor and for your glory. And all of God's people said, amen. Church, I love you. God bless. See you next week.